Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is a psalm of deliverance and direction. As noted in our first study of Psalm 107, Israel has experienced throughout its history a season of deliverance and direction from God despite seasons of sin and judgment. Psalm 107 demonstrates to us God's faithfulness to deliver and direct his people. Now, we divided this psalm into two sections. Verses 1 through 32 deals with God's providence in deliverance, and verses 33 to 42 deals with God's providence in direction. Currently, we're working on section 1, God's providence in deliverance. And in our last study, we looked at celebration in verses 1 to 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Then we noted the condition in verses 4 to 5. They wandered in the wilderness, in a desert region. They did not find a way to inhabit its city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Verse 6, the call. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. And we concluded in our first study with verses 7 through 9, the consolation. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with such good. Now, as we continue to work our way through Israel's history, we come now to their condition in verses 10 through 12. Again, let's remember that we're looking at God's providence in deliverance, how he's going to deliver his people in spite of their sin. So verse 10 to 12, the condition. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Now again, let's remember that Israel, uh, they sinned almost immediately after leaving Egypt. They rebelled against God. They tested him in the wilderness. Uh, and, and in spite of that, God continued to deliver them. Though there was judgment, there was also God's deliverance. Anytime the people cried out in their distress, God heard them and delivered them from their troubles. He eventually brings them into the promised land. While they're in the promised land, things go well at first, but then they begin to sin again and go after the idols of the foreign people. So much so that God once again brings judgment upon them. They cry out to him. They call out to him in their trouble. He delivers them from their, their distress. We move ahead to the period of the kings, and we see the same pattern happening, so much so that now we come to verse 10 to 12, and we note their condition. After all of this, now they're in exile. And this brings us forward in time to the Babylonian exile, where they wandered in the desert and became captives destined for death. Notice that they're in darkness. They're under the shadow of death. And you can't help but think of Psalm 23. 
Uh, yea, though uh, I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Well, how about these individuals? They're walking through the shadow of death. But are they fearing evil? This darkness that they're traveling through and the subsequent shadow of death that is uh, like a specter hovering over them denotes the absence of God in their life. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The fact that they're walking in darkness demonstrates how far they have gone from God. They have totally abandoned God, and so God, in turn, has seemingly abandoned them. And because he is absent, death reigns. How many of the children of Israel died at the hands of the Babylonians? To compound the problem, the captives are also prisoners in misery and chains. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 52 and verse 11, you'll see that as Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem, he took many captive, including its last king, Zedekiah, who was taken in chains to Babylon. He had his eyes gouged out, and many other horrific things were done to these captives as they made their trek across the wilderness from Jerusalem to Babylon. And why? Why did God judge them? Because, the psalmist says, they rebelled against the words of God and they despised the counsel of the Most High. My friends, have you ever considered your condition? You're in a condition where you say, man, my life is just a wreck. I'm just living in darkness. A shadow of death is uh, hovering over me. And have you taken the moment to consider that perhaps the reason why is because your situation is one where you have rebelled against God, where you have not hearkened, rather you have despised his counsel? Listen, this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. They rejected God's word. Sin always begins with the rejection of God's word. Go throughout the law. You'll see it where they were the children of Israel. God gives his word. They despise his word. And they sin. And they rebel against him. Consider this same situation today in the church. The church today has lost its vitality. We've lost our virility. Why? Because of our condition. We have stopped listening to God. We have rebelled against God's word. We reject divine revelation. And as a result of that, we are living in darkness. The church is living under judgment. And until the people of God repent and embrace God's word and obey it. Our condition is going to be just as the children of Israel in the Babylonian captivity. We're going to dwell in darkness and under the shadow of death. Judgment falls on unbelief. Look at verse 12. He humbled their heart with labor. In essence, he gave them a spiritual heart attack. Then they stumbled and there was none to help. Here's Israel now suffering. Alone, seemingly abandoned by God. Listen, where's all her idols now? Her lovers, as the scripture referred to them. Israel committed spiritual adultery against God. 
Where are all those nations who were going to help her? They're not there. They've abandoned her. And it's just the same today. All the things that you and I trust in, listen, they'll abandon us. They'll leave us. They'll desert us. Why? Because the only one that's ever going to be true to us is God. But if we're not true to him, don't expect him to be true to us. Notice the call in verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. This takes us right back to verse 6. They're in exile. But even though they're in exile, they come to their senses and they know what to do. They didn't look for a program. They didn't look for a person. What did they do? They cried out to the Lord in their bondage, in their restriction. God brings adversity upon us to bring us to himself. And that's what he does here again in verse 13. The people cry out to the Lord in their trouble. You know, it is amazing that when all else fails, we finally turn to God. God is seemingly the God of our last resort. But in an act of mercy and grace, he is still there for us. And he saves them out of their distresses. Verse 14 to 16, consolation. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke the, their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. God did what he, what he said he would do. If his people cry out to him in repentance, he acts and he delivers his people. He delivers them what? Out of their darkness, out of the shadow of death. He breaks their chains in pieces. Because God has delivered, the psalmist says our only reaction can be to cry out and to give thanks to the Lord for his covenant faithfulness, for his loving kindness, for his mercy, and for his wonders to his, and for his miracles that flow forth from him. Why? Because he is good. He's trustworthy. He does not go back on his word. He's faithful to his promise. Friends, when you've been in that situation where you've come to a place of understanding, man, I'm in sin, and you cry out to God to deliver you from the judgment that you're, or the chastisement that your sin has brought upon you, and God delivers you from that, what do you do? Do you just go happily on your merry way? Do you, is it just a ho-hum existence of, you know, I, I, I just, there, nothing's changed in my life? Or is your response one of worship? That's what it should be. Our response should be to praise God. Our response should be to magnify, to glorify God for who he is and what he has done in our life. God broke the gates. He cut the bars. He did it in their life. He does it in our life. You know, you go right back to the moment of salvation. We were imprisoned in sin. And yet when he saved us, he broke us free from that prison. Did you ever stop to thank God for that? How many times have you cried out to God in some trial, in some tribulation, in some distress, and God delivered you from it? Did you in turn worship him for that? If there's a lesson for us to learn, it's this. That when 
God steps in and delivers us. We must be quick to respond to him in worship, to give him praise. Have you done that? If not, confess it. Confess to the Lord that you've not done it and then get to doing it. Because, you know, the day is going to come when you're going to be right back in that same situation. Don't take God's mercy for granted. To think there could be a day when his mercy might not be available. It's true. There could be a day. And it would be a direct result of our lack of praise to him for his past mercies in our lives. Father God, Lord, we come before you in the uh, name of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we give you the praise that you are a merciful God, a long-suffering God, a God who hears us when we cry out in our distresses, in our trials, in our troubles, and you're always faithful to deliver us. Father, forgive us for not giving you the praise that you deserve. Forgive us, Lord, for not lifting you up, magnifying you, glorifying you for all the good that you do for us, for not abandoning us, for delivering us from from darkness, for rescuing us from the shadow of death. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't give you the praise you deserve. Father, I pray that your spirit would work within us as he draws us close to you, that, Father, we would remember to cry out to you in our trials in our troubles. But Father, may we also remember to praise you when you deliver us. May we give you praise, not just in this moment, but throughout this day and throughout every day of our life until you call us into your presence. Amen. <music>